The days of Rosh Hashanah are the first days of what are known as the Aseret Yimei Teshuvah, the ten days of, of repentance, begin with Rosh Hashanah, and they conclude with the Day of Atonement, with Yom HaKippurim. It is striking that despite the fact that during this time of the year, during the ten days of, of repentance, and actually even before the ten days of repentance, the Ashkenazi community starts on the Saturday night, the Motzei Shabbat, either right before Rosh Hashanah, or if Rosh Hashanah comes very proximate to Saturday night, the previous Saturday night, as is the case this year, that one of the hallmarks is the recitation of Slichot. They are recited typically outside of the first day, where they're recited around midnight. They're recited before the morning prayers. They are recited up to Rosh Hashanah. And in the Ashkenazic rite, the day before Rosh Hashanah, there's very long, what we call Slichot, penitential prayers. And between the, what's called the Aseret Yimei Tshuva, days of repentance, there are longer Slichot, longer than prior to Rosh Hashanah. The two longest days of Slichot are the day before Rosh Hashanah, in the Ashkenazic rite, and the day after Rosh Hashanah, which is the fast day, Tzom Gedalia, the third day of Tishrei. And it's striking, therefore, that on Rosh Hashanah itself, not before and not after, but on Rosh Hashanah itself, which are the first two days of Aseret Yimei Tshuva, there are no Slichot at all. There are no penitential prayers called Slichot on Rosh Hashanah itself. In addition to that, of course, there are also no confessions on Rosh Hashanah. The confessions we read uh, during the Slichot come right after the Slichot service in the Ashkenazic Rite, Shamnu, al the short confession, the long confession, on Rosh Hashanah there are no confessions at all. From this we may safely conclude that the day of Rosh Hashanah is not about repentance, or not directly about repentance. The theme of Rosh Hashanah, as reflected in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, is about the kingship of heaven, Malchut, or in the central sections of the Musaf service on Rosh Hashanah, Malchuyot we call them, God's kingship. That's the theme of Rosh Hashanah. So how do we move from God's kingship to repentance? And it would appear that the move from kingship to repentance is that in proclaiming God as king, we are describing God not only as king, but as an aspect of kingship, God is judge. This is powerfully stated in the section of the prayer we call Zichronot, Remembrances, and we suddenly find ourselves being judged. The response to being judged, of course, standing before an all-knowing judge, is to immediately think about what can we do to vindicate ourselves before the judge. The section is called Zichronot. The day of Rosh Hashanah is known in the Torah as Yom HaZikaron. And it's also called in the Torah, Zichron Shua. So Zichron Shua, the word Zikaron, God remembering, appears in the Torah sometimes as a response to prayer. For example, the Torah says in the book of Bamidbar, it talks about fashioning two silver trumpets that are to be sounded on certain occasions. And one of the occasions that if there's a war, Chapter 10, 
You should sound the trumpets, related to the word trua, and you will be remembered. So presumably, the trumpets are a kind of prayer. It's not a prayer with words. And God's response to this prayer is v'niz kaitem zikaron. In the Torah sometimes, God responds to a prayer, but not even a stated prayer. For example, the Torah says that God remembered Rachel. God remembered Rachel. Rachel, of course, we know in the book of Breshit, wants to have a child or children. She first approached her husband in chapter 30 of Genesis. Give me children. Produce for me children. Perhaps that can be understood as prayer. Some commentaries understand it that way. And Jacob's response is essentially a negative response. And then she sets out to have children in a different way. She offers Jacob to take her pilegesh, her concubine, or her, her slave, one that was given to her in marriage, as a wife, as did Sarah. And the child that's born is named by Rachel. So Rachel sees the children that Bilhah gives birth to, first Don and then Naphtali. She, she names the children. God has given me a child, Vayiten Libain. That's not her own children. Next story in the Torah, of course, the mandrakes. There she bargains with her sister, who gives her Dudaim, presumably some kind of fertility drug, fertility herb. And afterwards, she does have a child. And she says, Yosef Hashem Libain Acher, she named her son Joseph. God should give me another child. It's not clear how to understand that the birth of Joseph. Is it a function of the mandrakes, God working through nature as it were? Or is she attributing the birth to God without mandrakes? But prior to the birth of Joseph, it says that God remembered Rachel. Now, it never says that Rachel directly prayed. She does, in a sense, pray after the birth of Joseph. God should give me another child. Yosef Hashem Nacher. But did she pray before? Or is God understanding her behaviors, her requests of others to be a kind of prayer? And the same thing is true in the Torah reading of the first day of Rosh Hashanah. The story of the banishment of Yishmael, the birth of Isaac, and the banishment of Yishmael and Hagar is sent away into the desert with her son. And Hagar gets lost in the desert. Vatelech vateta b'midbar be'ersheva in chapter 21 of Genesis and there's no water left in the jug. She was given a jug of water, but she got lost, so the water runs out. She takes her child and she places him far away, a bow shot away, under the shrubs. She says, I don't want to see the death of my child. And she raises her voice and she cries. She cries. And the next verse, Vayishma Elohim, at Kol Hanar, and God heard the voice of the boy. Now the Torah never says the boy is crying. The Torah says she's crying. But the Torah doesn't say God heard her voice. The Torah says God heard the voice of the boy. The boy in the text is not crying. But God sees the boy, and God hears the boy's cries, even though he's not crying. So we have an interesting phenomenon in the Torah. God is hearing the cries, one might say the prayers, of those
who ostensibly are not praying at all, but the other understands that they are praying. And in the case of Rachel, the Torah uses the word Luzkar. So it means that God is remembering, God is hearing the cries, God is hearing the sound of the trumpets. The sound without words, but it's a cry to God. And sometimes God even hears the silent prayer. Silent in the sense, and maybe even silent from ourselves. So that's Vayizkar. So on Rosh Hashanah, we are suddenly find ourselves being judged. And we begin to think about, what should we do? It's a shock when you hear that shofar. And that's one sense of Zichron Shua, that God is the one who hears the Shua. But there's another sense in Rosh Hashanah as well, about Zikaron. And that is, not that God is hearing the cry, but we are proclaiming God as king through the shofar. So there are two dimensions to the shofar. There's one dimension of the God who hears the cry. The shofar itself is understood to be a cry. The Targum says about Yom Trua, Yom Yavava. A true is a cry. But the other side of it is that it's a proclamation. It's an announcement. It's a coronation of God as king. And the king is a judge. We hope the king will judge us favorably, but the king is a judge. The truth of the matter is that on Rosh Hashanah, we make different sounds. We make the truer sound, which is the broken sound. And the broken sound takes three different forms on Rosh Hashanah. It's the shvarim, it's the staccato truer, what we call the truer, and the combination of the two, a shvarim truer. But in addition, we have been instructed to make another sound before the truer, which we call a takiyah. The plain sound, called the pshuta, the plain sound, not the broken sound. The distinction between the tkiah and the trua is not found in the Torah in relationship to Rosh Hashanah. In fact, the Torah never even mentions shofar with Rosh Hashanah. It says day of, a day of trua. But the distinction of tkiah and trua, that is central to our service of sounding the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, is found in the chapter I mentioned before in Bamidbar, chapter 10. There the Torah says that sometimes you make the tkiah sound and sometimes you make the trua sound. When you bring people together in the desert, you make the tkiah sound. When you're traveling, and travel always entails vulnerability, you're not in your place, that's the truer sound. On the festivals in the temple, when you bring the sacrifices of the festivals and the new moon, the tkiah sound, the joyous sound of the tkiah. Time of war, surrounded, besieged by the enemy, you make the truer sound. So we could say that the tkiah sound, the joyous sound of the tkiah, is related to the day of Rosh Hashanah as a day in which we crown God as king. The truer sound, the broken sound, cry, is in a sense a response to the tkiah. God is king means God is judge, and then we suddenly find ourselves suddenly in the desperate situation of being judged, and we cry out. So there's the tkiah and the trua in response to the tkiah, tkiah, trua, and then we end with the tkiah, with the reaffirmation of God's kingship, perhaps a reaffirmation of God's kingship as a king not only who judges, but a king who judges compassionately. The section of the Rosh Hashanah service called Zichronot, and the day is called Yom HaZikaron, the day of remembrance, starts with judgment. But it ends with covenant. It ends with the request to God, 
to remember the story of the binding of Isaac. That's how we end that central blessing of Rosh Hashanah. So first we have God as king who judges, and then the response is the cry, and then the reaffirmation of God as king, a king who judges, yes, but a king also who hears our cries, the cries that we sound without words, in the case of Rosh Hashanah with the shofar, and even to our prayers that we don't even speak. The prayer with no words. The prayer that consciously we're not even aware we are praying. The prayers of Rachel. The prayers of the boy, Yishmael, about whom we read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah.